my name is Marin Minamia, and you're watching Anything is Possible on Decentric Media. I'm Patrick Sang, Global Citizen, Investor. Join me as I talk one-on-one -on -one exclusively with some of the most influential people. Sharing positivity, overcoming challenges, creating one world together. I'm Patrick Sang. Anything is possible. Welcome everyone to Anything is Possible, where we share positivity, overcome challenges, and create one world together. Today, we have a special guest from Japan, Marin Minamiya. In 2016, when she was 19, she climbed Everest. In 2017, she was 20, and she was the youngest and the 52nd person to complete the Explorer's Grand Slam, which includes climbing the seven summits and also the North and the South Pole. She also mixes with her mountaineering expeditions with fashion and technology, which we will ask her some questions later. Marin, very happy to see you. Thank you for welcoming me on this show. So Marin, we're going to kick off with um, sharing positivity. You're one of the most um, youngest and also the, one of the most inspiring people I've met in a long time and probably in my lifetime even. And you've done so much and you've done so much even at a young age. So during this negative time, turbulent times during COVID-19, can you share with us some of the advice you would give to some of the youngsters what they should be doing with their time? So in this uncertain time, I have read a lot of books, self-analysis books, took lots of notes on reflecting deep within myself, started writing a diary every day, and it helps me figure out where my balance is and to bring myself back to this point where I feel comfortable and ready to challenge myself the next, the following day. So these are tools and ways um, an individual can equip themselves with during this turbulent time. Excellent advice, um, Marian, because what you're saying here is you don't need money for education or special equipment and so on. This is something that if you have discipline and if you have to use, utilize some of your time during this difficult time, you know, anyone can improve on themselves, whatever, whoever they may be, wherever they may be, whatever they may be doing. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your, your adventures. Um, you're obviously a very brave young woman, much braver than myself, obviously. And I understand that you started climbing mountains from a young age. At 13, you know, you were in Nepal and you scaled the Annapura base camp. Um, tell us um, your experience of how you got into climbing. I, I fell in love with climbing when I was uh, 12, 13 years old. I was living in Hong Kong then. Um, and I was going to the school, this British school in Hong Kong called South Island School, where I joined um, the Scouts program called Hong Kong Awards for Youth program, equivalent to... Um, International Edinburgh Award and uh, this program pu pushed me to expand my perspectives through outdoor activities, creative activities and when I was 13-14 years old um, along with a volunteer uh, project at my school I got to 
go to Annapurna Base Camp with my um, classmates. And I saw the Himalayan mountains for the first time. Thought, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if s small peaks in Hong Kong could teach me so much, then what could scaling the highest peaks in those Himalayan mountain ranges teach me? And how much self-growth, how, what, what, who will I meet? And what kind of beautiful scenery will I you know, see, um, see with my own eyes? And that was the moment when, uh, where, where I <laughs> decided, okay, one day I'm going to come back here and climb Mount Everest. So the seed of my dream of climbing Mount Everest was sown there. That's amazing, Marin. Just to let you know, um, I used to play football at South Island School a lot. Um, we would play in the, in the gym in South Island School. And then secondly, which is quite interesting that we're connected, is that um, I'm actually a World Fellow at the Duke of Edinburgh World Fellowship. So oh, I've, been a, I've been a strong supporter of the award scheme globally. So it's great that, you know, I've had some contribution to helping you get to base camp in your first expedition. There is connection there, uh, surprisingly. The world is much smaller than we think it is. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's move on to, your, to the next stage. So obviously you climbed Everest, Everest at a very young age. Um, tell us the reaction of your family and your friends. Were they supportive? Were they scared? Were they concerned? How was that process? So my dream of climbing Mount Everest, the seed was planted at 13, 14 years old and decided to uh, actually make it a project of mine at 17. And that was when I was going to high school in Japan. Um, I, I spoke to my father about climbing Mount Everest and he said to me, well, that's great. Um, I support your dream, but I'm not going to support you financially. And um, my, my father actually said that because he didn't, <laughs> He didn't think that I would actually um, get uh, funding to climb this peak and actually um, stand on top of Mount Everest. So he thought that by saying he's not going to support me financially, it's going to stop me from embarking on this endeavor. Um, so that was my father's reaction. And my mother, she um she was just surprised because neither of my parents are climbers nor my grandparents so she was just um wondering where this drive uh of, of my um climbing ambitions came from and aside from my parents um you know pe my friends reactions there they were they were very supportive, but um, also th they had their own um, dreams and ambitions. So I was I, I I was supportive of theirs, and through um, realizing my own dream, I thought I'd be able to kind of emotionally and possibly spiritually uh, give them a push to um, be. <laughs> 
more challenging towards their own goals and dreams. Um, there was one, um, well, unfortunate encounter uh, with this Japanese mountaineer who had already climbed Everest and scaled the seven summits. I went to see him to seek for advice. Um, I was 17 years old and when I visited him, he said to me, uh, there is no way that um, I'm going to realize my dream and I should just stay at school, keep studying, um, hang out with my friends and don't even bother. But um, there was um, inside of me, there was this, this desire to also prove him wrong that if we put our heart and soul into something, we can realize what is, what is not tangible into something that's real, something into reality. Marin, that's exactly the reason why you're on the show, because anything is possible. The spirit of it is to prove everyone, prove to everyone, including yourself mainly, is that you can achieve anything if you want it bad enough. And obviously you've proven it um, with you know, flying colors. So tell us a bit about the, the first climb. Where was the first climb? And then secondly is how did you physically and mentally prepare for that? Well, I would say my first ever climb was Victoria Peak in Hong Kong. <laughs> okay. Okay. And uh, I, I probably, I probably, sorry to interrupt. I probably climbed it before you did. Most likely, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in in high school, there there was this inner mountain that I wanted to overcome within myself, and climbing mountains in real life made me feel as if one step at a time I was also not only conquering this peak um, that was in front of me but some this this invisible peak within myself and so I kept climbing um, and the way I trained for uh, the higher peaks um, the seven summits peaks and Mount Everest was mm, both physically and mentally um, at gyms. I trained with um, um, Nicholas Pettis. He's a karate K1 uh, martial arts champion. Uh, we developed a way to prepare um, my body uh, and spirit for the climb ahead. And the best way to train is of course, to keep climbing. So that's what got me um, to completing the seven summits in about two years time. It, it takes most people longer than two years, but uh, because I was in university and because I, was, um, I wanted to uh, keep my body uh, um, adapted, adjusted for the mountains. I kept climbing one mountain to the other. Um, and that was the best training that I could prepare myself with. Excellent, Marin. So also, I, I want to highlight to you, um, before we move on to the next question, um, one of our guests, Richard Turner, on episode three of Anything is Possible, he talks about how he turns adversity 
into an asset and that's exactly what you've been doing. So there's a lot of you know, famous people who have become very successful in whatever industry or craft that they were in from Mike Tyson to Elon Musk to Michael Jackson and even to Richard Turner who I just mentioned. Um, like you is when you get when you when you're in an unhappy childhood or there's some kind of way of you to express yourself in another manner be it in your case you know mountaineering and so on um, that's how people have positively turned something negative in, into positive which is all what the show is trying to do so I also know that you you know you were one of the youngest people to climb the seven summits and then you conquered the north and the south pole um, can you tell us about the journey of doing one after another throughout the years and then which of the ones that you did which was the toughest of the seven summits i started with aconcagua which is the highest peak in south america it's in argentina and from there my seven originally my my um my ambition was to just climb Mount Everest. Um, so Aconcagua was uh, um, a training um, stepping stone to uh, Mount Everest. But right after climbing Mount Aconcagua, I got into an accident in a climbing accident in Japan. I was climbing in Nagano Prefecture. It was March, it was winter. And um, the mountain was covered in snow after getting to the peak of this mountain it's called mount amida i was descending the mountain and a block of snow uh crumbled beneath my feet and i fell head first i fell 250 meters um and after getting into this climbing accident i realized i definitely would need more climbing training, um, climbing experience under my belt. And so I, I decided, okay, instead of just going for Mount Everest, why not go for the seven summits? And while I was on the seven summits climb in Antarctica, um, after climbing Mount Vincent, the highest peak in Antarctica, I thought to myself, what are the chances that I'll ever come back to Antarctica again, um, might as well take this opportunity to ski, cross-country ski uh, with a sled to the South Pole. And after doing so, I, <laughs> the Explorer's Grand Slam popped in my head. I thought, hmm, if I reach the North Pole, then I would complete the Explorer's Grand Slam. So my dream of originally climbing Everest grew to the seven summits and the Explorer's Grand Slam. It was as if um, the dreams were realized like falling dominoes. It, it just, you know, too easy for you. I mean, people just go to the gym and work out. Uh, you had to complete the Grand Slams. So Marin, regarding the, regard, obviously you, you, you suffered a big injury as you just mentioned. Did that, um, can you tell us a bit more about the injuries and then how did you, mentally prepare yourself to, to say, oh, I, I, you know, should I do this again? Or should I keep going? Or um, should I just forget about this? After the climbing accident, um, first of all, um, after, after falling from Mount Amida, 
I, I was myself surprised to find myself with not even a scratch, no fractured bones. I, I thought I probably fell about 10 meters, but turned out it was 250 meters. And while I was falling, it was most likely um, 30 seconds or so. It felt as if it was 30 minutes. And in that time, I, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Is, is this the day I'm going to die? And I had so many thoughts in my head um, that it seemed as if I was watching a film. Um, and I, I just hoped I was not going to die, but I didn't stop falling. So I, what I did was I prayed in the, um, in midair, I, I screamed, I don't want to die yet. I, I, I want to live. And as soon as I prayed that, um, I don't want to die, I stopped falling and something that some equipment that I had, had, um, stuck itself onto this, this snow, um, or rock. And I was, um, alive and I checked my body, um, no fractures. So I tried descending the mountain. However, um, it was already late in the evening, so it got dark. I dug a hole in the snow and I slept there overnight. And the next day I tried um, descending the mountain, but around noon, uh, the Nagano Prefecture's uh, police helicopter came for, to the rescue and I was taken to a hospital uh, where I was hospitalized for a couple of days. And um, the, the most challenging part uh, um, of the falling accident came after I was hospitalized. So at the hospital, my high school, so I was 18 then, um, my high school teachers and friends came to visit me, my, but my parents weren't there. And I, as the only child, I felt devastated. I, I thought to myself, why would my parents not come and visit me? I, I might have died and I might not have been here. Um, I just wished that they were by my side. Um, and my, my mother came to the hospital uh, only when um, I I was going to be released, I was going home, and the doc doctors needed a guardian signature um, that I can actually leave the hospital. But on my way home, um, I felt this emptiness and tremendous loneliness. I got home, I put the door key to my door, I pushed it open, and it was completely dark, and there was no one to say, Hey, welcome home. And that was, that was crushing. Um, before going on to the Seven Summits climbs, that was the lowest point that um, I was at mentally. Um, I thought there, well, 
no, no um, I, I, I didn't feel the support from my family um, and I didn't have enough um, um, strength in me at that moment to propel myself um, even out of the bed. I just, I just felt as if uh, I was floating through space. <laughs> but um, with my friend's support, um, my friend came over to my place, took care of me, did my laundry, cooked for me, cleaned for me. Um, I, I realized, oh my gosh, if I don't believe in my own dream, if I'm not the biggest supporter of myself, then who is? And who is going to realize my dream for me? No one is. Um, I looked at myself in the mirror and that was uh, a big turning point. I swore to myself that I'm going to complete this project that I envisioned. And that was when this passion and, and fire within me was rekindled um, and to a much stronger degree as well. And right after that, um, I was, I, um, I was blessed with the um, sponsorship of Uniqlo um, and had become Uniqlo's global brand ambassador. And with Uniqlo, um, although Uniqlo doesn't sell mountaineering uh, wear, um, the product development team and I uh, worked together on developing Mount, this Mount Everest suit and other wear that's necessary. And that's how um, the project got on fire in a good way. <laughs> Marina, that's very, very, very inspiring. But at the same time, it's very sad that unfortunately you didn't have um, the support of your family. Um, I think from what I said earlier, the adversity of circumstances and the environment, sometimes those are the unfortunately hostile, adverse situations that lead us and push us um, to the brink of success. So, I mean, from my own experience, I know that um, it's through situations like this that push you to challenge yourself. And I think at the outset, I think just to share with you some of my experiences is that from a young age, I was always, always trying to compete against other people. But the process then becomes is then as you grow older and more mature, the ultimate competitor and opponent to yourself is not anyone else but yourself. And that's why I think you've evolved to you know, obviously challenging your comfort zone and doing all these, you know, great things. And I just wanted to add, I think you're the uh, first um, global ambassador for Uniqlo, who, uh, the first female ambassador for Uniqlo. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all about learning and then taking the positive side out of the negative situation. So you've definitely grown as a person. And I can tell you that from my experience of myself and also interviewing some of these great people on the show, is that every single person says exactly the same thing, which is what, you know, the, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, obviously. And as a result of these hostile situations, it's turned you into a much you know, greater person. So let's talk a, bit, a little bit about philosophy in a way. So during these expeditions, a lot of them are very lonely experiences. You're on your own, 
you need to like keep yourself motivated and positive. What, what is the greatest thing that you've learned about yourself during these expeditions? Patrick, there's a lot that I have learned. <laughs> but I would say the greatest learning from those expeditions would be that um, human potential is truly infinite. Marian, one of my role models is Bruce Lee, and one of his catchphrases is using no limitations as limitations and using no way as way. So that's exactly the, the spirit, what we should all be doing. So a lot of us, including myself, the, the audience, I think a lot of people don't know too much about mountaineering. And it seems to be a lot of the time it's like solo expeditions where it can be a very lonely process. But in some cases, I'm, I'm sure you've done expeditions with other people. How important is teamwork to these expeditions? Teamwork is extremely important to uh, overcoming anything. So there is a saying in, in um, African, there's an African proverb. Um, if you want to go somewhere fast, go your, by yourself. And if you want to go somewhere far, uh, go with go in a team and I am through the expeditions that I've been on um, strong teamwork is the make it or the break it of actually getting to the summit um, understanding um, each other's goals and why that person is where they are and supporting that person where they need uh, in necessary times and taking each other's um, um, load um, and lending a hand not only helps others but yourself as well. So teamwork is, is certainly very important um, and what I've learned on the mountains there are um, lots of um, aspects from mountaineering that I can bring to different areas and so I would rec I, 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 re I recommend lots of people to go on um, team collaborative mountaineering projects or mountaineering climbs. So, Maureen, I, I, I know that you don't like being labeled as a mountaineer or alpinist. What do you like? What do you like to how do you would, how would you describe yourself? So there are professional mountaineers and alpinists who um, make a living through uh, climbing. And I, I, I now have my own um, company and uh, a business that I'm working um, with my um, colleagues. And so mountaineering, mount, mountaineer, this, this title is, uh, doesn't see, that doesn't um, fully resonate with what I, what I do um, outside of the, the mountainous regions. Um, so if, if I were to um, have a title, 
aside from being a university student, um, I would say um, possibly an adventure. And now that I am planning to go on, um, I'm planning another project, which is to sail around the world. Um, that's not, that's not uh, climbing and um, adventure would uh, suit better than an alpinist. Marin, you've broken several world records. Do you have any new ones that you have, you know, you want to break more now? <laughs> um, well, I don't necessarily go on uh, any mission to break, break records, but there are certainly um, some ex exciting expeditions and projects that are on my mind, uh, such as sailing around from, from Japan, um, sailing to, um, to India, and then from there, scaling Mount Everest from sea level, and then going to different ports and visiting orphanages and schools there, and, and spreading that anything is, is possible. So sailing around the world is something I certainly want to do in my lifetime. Um, this is all adventure-wise, and um, I study political science and economics. Uh, academically, there are um, goals that I want to, um, well, goals and dreams that for academically, and that's something that I will continue to do as well. Um, so not necessarily for breaking records, but um, I have this vision of um, scalable unity. It's similar to your, or the same to your one world vision where uh, people unite in balance and harmony and scale this vision. And that's something I want to do um, with my with, the, with my life. Marin, that's very interesting. Um, I think from my you know limited um, history of uh, knowledge, I know that actually if you go back even further in, in time, my understanding is that a lot of the gods and actually way past you know recent history, is that actually women were actually in charge. Most of the gods were actually female. And it was over a period of time of evolution that actually men sort of took uh, control and you know, being a man in the current modern world is, is, just, is just easier. But I'm, I'm glad to say in the UN SDGs, um, our company, you know, we try to do as much as we can. Goal five, gender inequality. Uh, we actually have more females than males in the company. But I think we were, to I think we were talking offline um, that it, when, when, I, when we interview or when we hire people, it's not, oh, because you're a woman, we hire them. We hire the people because they're good based on their merits. And I think what we should be chasing for is equal treatment of men and women, disabled and abled, and all kinds of prejudice, which is exactly the, the essence of scalable unity. So one world, when I'm talking about one world, we're talking about as a, as a global humanity, um, the human race, as it were. So the two biggest powers on the planet now are the US and China. 
And in this current century, it's going to be a struggle between the US and China. And obviously, you've lived in Hong Kong, you've been in Dalian and Shanghai. So you know the Chinese culture as well as being um, in a Western for, uh, society as well. So in your opinion, how can both countries you know, bridge the gap so that we actually have a more peaceful world? Great question. Um, that is something many <laughs> professors think about and, and make it their research topic. But um, in between US and China relations, international relations, there are also many other countries involved and it depends on how these how the other countries that are involved deals in between these two major powers. So um, many things come in factor. Um, and I hope to be, to be able to discuss this with you in detail once I continue my research at university. I love to. This is, this is what I, I, I think dream and talk about every day. So, you know, we can have a five hour session, just talk about this topic. So moving on, um, social impact. What is your preferred social impact project right now? I'm currently working with uh, NPO Mirai no Mori in Japan. Mirai no Mori means the future of forest. Um, and this organization works with lots of um, children's homes, sheltered ho shelter homes, orphanages to take these children who have, um, who, who have had unfavorable, um, who lived in unfavorable situations, had uh, traumatic pasts, um, take these children to nature and, and uh, promote their teamwork skills, um, encourage leadership in these children, and the whole uh, program provided by Mirai Nomori uh, lies in the belief that nature brings back harmony as well as uh, peace to um, all living beings. So that's a social impact um, that I actively participate in. Another would be, uh, as my name is Marin, I inevitably feel this destiny to the sea and I scuba dive um, and plant <laughs> kelp seeds where there's uh, undersea desertif des desertification. So um, there are areas uh, under the water, it's complete desert and there is lots of sea urchin, um, not a lot of uh, sea life, marine life. And what, um, what I do, in this scuba diving volunteer team, with this scuba diving volunteer team is um, plant um, underwater plants, as well as get rid of the sea urchins, release um, sea abalones and try to bring back the marine life. And um, the pH balance is also, um, um, an, uh, there's imbalance uh, under the sea and try to bring back that, um, that, that, lively ecosystem and 
I believe that human beings are, are on Earth, on planet Earth, we're meant to be the gardeners of this beautiful planet, not just on land, but under sea, under the water as well. And that's, that's something that I stand for um, and hopefully um, grow this community of planet Earth gardeners. Marin, this is truly like admirable and honorable what you're doing. Uh, we can try and help support you as, in any way we can. Unfortunately, there's less, there's not enough people like yourself on the planet and we're actually destroying at a faster rate than, than history has ever seen. Marin, what principles and ethics do you live by and how do you uphold them? I have a list of my 10 most important values. And whenever I make a decision, whenever I um, work on any project, I remind myself of these values that I live by. And these, val these list of values help me stick to my principles. Um, they are my principles and keep me disciplined. And each person's values might be different. Um, and the order of these values um, are, are, are not, the, not the same, but it defines who you are and, and the way you do things. Um, so I keep these values um, actually on paper right in front of me. Um, I have my office and I have my desk and right in front of me I have these values. And these are values that I, I stick to. The number one um, value that I have on, on that paper is, is commitment. Um, and I, I, I stand by that with, to follow through on anything that I say that I will do. Marin, what about religion and spirituality? Does that help you in any way in your journey for success? I would say that I don't subscribe to any specific religion. Um, I, through my experience, I have had spiritual um, in, incidents um, that make me believe in, in a world um, aside from what we actually can see, a, a world that's not tangible. Um, so that, that would be the spiritual realm. realm. Uh, but does that help me in any way to um, realize my dreams or, or push me to success? Um, yes and no, because as with any tools we have, it's about how we use those tools. Um, and spirituality and belief systems that we have is also uh, a tool. And I just don't subscribe to any specific religion, but just through my personal experience there, I do believe in a world that's not tangible and that's, that's, that cannot be seen. And something great, greater than just living in this um, human body, the shell that we live in. That's a very interesting take on it, Marin. Marin, who's your role model? I have many role models, but 
Um, Nobo Okada, who I mentioned earlier, uh, who is tackling the space debris, space garbage um, issue, is certainly a role model of mine. Role models are... Some role models, they're alive and give me advice. Um, and those I call mentors. Um, and I have been very blessed to have the, the opportunity to be given um, career advice from several mentors. And they are people that I truly respect and, and um and continue to build a relationship with. And what, what's the biggest regret you've had in your life so far, Marin? Regrets are for me temporary and not permanent. As soon as I get over that phase of ruminating the past, it's not a regret anymore, but learning. So I would say now that my biggest regret thus far is also my biggest um, teacher and um, it, it, taught, it taught me significant lot about how to um, face and deal with the future. So it's, I, 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 regret usually has negative um, nuance to it, but for me, I, I I appreciate it now. Understand. And what about luck? What what, what was your take on luck? Being able to consider yourself lucky or not, on a certain in a certain circumstance or in a in any situation has to do with mindset. Because even if something great happens to you, if you have a self. Uh, suppressing way of thinking than what had actually been a lucky um, occasion is not lucky anymore in your mind. So being able to track how lucky you have been and how blessed you have been is a matter of mindset. And to me, um, whether this, this great uh, incident happened to you or not, um, it can be just uh, um, lucky, <laughs> uh, lucky pro probability game or, uh, it, or it's up to you to believe it's because you've done you've done good and you've, you've put in the effort that you needed to, that good things are happening to you. It's all about um, mindset and, and how, you, uh, how you view your world. I mean, the way, the way I look at it, Marin, is I, I feel that, I mean, some, some people believe in luck, some people don't believe in luck. I, I personally, I do believe in luck, but I don't believe that luck is the only thing that, is the most important factor. The fact that, you know, I was born in the UK, you're born in Japan, Selena's born in Canada and so on. That's something that you don't have a choice with. And I think that's the part which is luck where the certain things you can control. 
but the things that you can control is where you have to you know you have to put in the effort to do the training to have the mental preparation so that you can climb Everest or do scuba diving go to space and so on so that that's how I look at luck so it uh, there definitely is an element of luck but some people believe there is some people don't believe it and then some of the other guests have also spoken about that you sort of create your own luck if you keep on practicing if you keep on doing good things then you sort of get luckier because you get better at doing whatever you're doing so it sort of you know positivity breeds positivity what if everything had reason and the fact that you were born in UK and Selena was born in Canada, that, that I was born in Japan, there was reason behind everything. And maybe before um, my, myself of getting into form in this body, uh, I actually chose to come into this world in 1996 and to Japan. If we, if we think that way, then it, I, it, um, it, you know, well, when I think that way, it makes me um, much more, res it makes me feel more responsible for my life uh, because perhaps I decided to be here now in this nationality and chose my parents such and such. Absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a very thought-provoking way of looking at it. And I, I think, you know, unfortunately, things like this, you, we can never prove who's right or wrong. I think more importantly is we have to just utilize the time we have on this planet to do as much good as we can. That's all we can. That's in, in my opinion, that's all we can do. So moving on, Marine, what is your life ethos? Everything in the in the past is formed into color and shape by what you do now and and what you do from now so no matter no matter what you have done in the past whether it's good or bad or or colorful or not so colorful whatever your past is everything that you do now and from now is going to define the past. I think that's a very uh, positive yet a positive and empowering way to look at life. And that would be my life ethos. As always, Marin, our last question to all our guests on Anything is Possible is, Marin Minamiya, please share your number one advice with the younger audience. I would suggest to get out your notebook and pen and write in chronological order a list of what you want to do in your life and how you want to spend your time um, very vividly and precisely what exactly you want to do when and calculate from that time to now what you have to do from now to then in order to make that come true. That would give you a much clearer vision on where you are now 
and where you want to be and what you have to do in between. Marin, you're the youngest of all the interviewee guests on Anything is Possible, but that is probably the most, not probably, it is the most practical advice that any of the guests has actually given to the younger audience. So thank you for that. Marin, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for you know, spending some time with us. And I hope you will continue to do your great work. And hopefully through our platform, we can share all the positive vibes to everyone out there. Thank you so much, Patrick, for having me. Thank you, Marin. Arigatou gozaimasu. See everyone very soon.